0: And one of the things that we would do when I was in college is we would go spelunking. Have you ever been spelunking? I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's going in a cave and walking around in a cave. And so we would go to uh, Walmart and grab our $1 ever ready flashlights. And you think that that's, well, what's the big deal? Well, these caves are full of water. So I'm going in there with my ever-ready flashlight that we duct-taped around the top that screwed on so no water would get inside of there because that was really a handy way to go. And uh, So we would go inside of these caves, and uh, one particular cave um, we went into, I mean, it was like 100 yards back, crawling on your knees, getting down onto your belly, stream running out of the front of the cave, uh, a little waterfall kind of thing. And you're crawling back through all this, and you'd go around several corners, and the more corners you go around, the less and less daylight would make its way back in there until finally you get 100 yards or so back. And, I mean, it was like this. You could not see your hand in front of your face. And then there'd be these chimneys, these cracks that would go vertical, and we'd climb up through the chimneys like 30 feet up, and then we'd pick up another hallway and walk down it and have to get down on our knees, and then you'd go into these big rooms. And so I was just one of the fun things that we did. Well, one of in the scriptures today were mm-hmm, fun, that's fun, and so one of the uh, in our scriptures today we're going to find David in a similar circumstance. He's in a cave, but the reason why he's in a cave is because he's he's there because he's desperate. And one of the things I've discovered over the course of years of ministry and in my own personal life is that when we go through times of desperation, when we feel desperate, it drives us Godward. And so that's what we're going to see in David's life today. If you have your Bibles, flip over to Psalm chapter 142. This is a psalm of David that he writes while he's in a cave. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. I'm going to ask if you would to stand to your feet. We're going to read all seven verses of Psalm 142. And you'll notice that we stand each and every week, and the reason why we stand for the reading of God's word is just to remind ourselves that all the stuff that we heard over the past week, that all the stuff that we hear out there in culture, friends, that none of that compares to what God's word has to say, that this is where truth comes from. So let's read together Psalm chapter 142, beginning at verse 1. Here we go. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. Why am I the only one reading? All right, verse two, middle verse two. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. Verse five. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living attend to my cry for I am brought very low deliver me from my persecutors for they are too strong for me bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name the righteous will surround me for you will deal bountifully with me you may be seated thank you so much all right, so I want to give you just a little bit of background about these verses that we just read. You remember that we're in a series looking at the, the life of the great man of God, David. And David writes these words while he's in a cave, on the run, hiding out. King Saul is pursuing David, trying to snuff him out. He's declared David as the enemy number one, enemy of the state of Israel. And Saul wants David, D-E-A-D, dead, dead. And so David escapes Saul's grip and uh, lands at this uh, area um, called the Cave of Adullam. We've got a map here for you. You can see Adullam on the map. It's southwest of Jerusalem. And uh, he goes to a cave near that town of Adullam. And so there's a couple pictures for you of the actual cave that David was in. You can see it from the inside, looking out toward the whole of the cave, but also a picture from the outside. I mean, this is out in the barren wilderness outside of Jerusalem in the mountainous territory. And so David heads Heads there, in hopes of uh, being able to preserve his life, in hopes of escaping the grasp of Saul. Now, you remember, up until this point, David was a general, a commander in Saul's army. He was a he was married to Saul's uh, daughter. He was a guy who had just. A couple of months before, gone and killed a bunch of Philistines to pay the bride price to be able to marry the king's daughter. David was this great man of war. He was a, a man who, of great strength. And now, all of a sudden, he's been rendered to this place of feeling desperate, feeling like his life is on the line, like, like he's going to die at any moment. He's going to be discovered. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 22, and verse 1, it says that David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So that's where he's at when he writes this particular psalm that we just read, okay? So that's kind of our background. Let's skip forward to Psalm 142. We'll begin at verse 1. David says, while he's in there in the cave, he says, With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. And what does he say? He says, With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. Now, what is this verse telling us? It tells us that David didn't pray quietly. If you've ever been in a cave, you know, or you've maybe seen movies where people are in a cave and you shout out somebody's name, hey Gordon, Gordon, Gordon right? Get the echo thing going on. So David's in there, and he's praying out loud, loudly inside of this cave, and the prayers are reverberating. You can imagine this. The prayers are reverberating around David as he's out there praying, and he's calling out to God, and he's hearing his prayers bouncing off the walls, echoing through the chambers all through this cave as David sits there in the cold, dank darkness of this place. He says, God, 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 where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And that's his prayer, and he's crying this out to God. It says, verse 2, I pour out my complaint. What is he talking to God about? He's complaining to God about his situation. He says, I pour out my complaint to him, my trouble. I tell my trouble before him. See, David didn't hold back. David told God what was on his mind. He told God what his issue was. He told God what he didn't like about his circumstances, and God didn't seem to mind. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you love that about David, that David doesn't try to pray some sort of a prayer uh, that that follows proper etiquette or something like that? He tells God what's on his mind, and God is not offended by the fact that David doesn't like his circumstances. God sits there and listens to it. Verse 3, when my spirit fails within me, you know the way to go. In the path where I walk, uh, that is with these soldiers right there. Everywhere I go, these soldiers seem to be out there. I, I'm having to slip you know, behind trees and, in the, and, and, and under cover of darkness. And, and everywhere I go, I'm having to escape these soldiers, he says. They've hidden a trap for me. It's like I can't even get out of this cave. I can't even get out into the daylight, God, because there's all these people out there looking for me. I'm the enemy of the state. Do you sense the distress in David's voice? Look at verse 4. He says look I look to my right or look to my right God and see there's nobody there I'm here in this cave no one's concerned for me I have no refuge God no one cares for my life I'm totally alone in here at this point verse 5 so I cry out to you O God and I say to you, you are my refuge. I can't find a refuge in anybody that I know. I can't go anywhere, God, without being, having my life pursued. Um, and so here I am in this cave, God, and I'm just I'm here. I'm in front of you. You are my refuge. You're my safe place, my portion in the land of the living. Verse 6, listen, he says, to my cry. That's a man who is desperate. God, listen. Are you hearing me, God? Listen to my cry. for I am in in desperate need. Rescue me as only you can do from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Remember the song that was sung about David, that Saul has slayed his thousands and David has slayed his tens of thousands? David was a man of war. David was a man of great strength. David was a man of great confidence. And yet here is David saying, what's up against me right now, God? It's too strong. It overwhelms me. I'm on my knees here before you, crying out to you, God. You're my place of refuge. Last verse, verse 7. Set me free, he says, from my prison, these cave walls that are surrounding me, that I may praise your name. In other words, God, when I get out of here, I'm going to tell everybody that it was you that preserved my life. And he says, then the righteous, the God-fearing men and women will gather about me because of your goodness to me. So David begins the prayer in Psalm 142 in desperation. Listen to my cry, O God. I cry out to you, God. But he concludes his prayer with peace, knowing that God is going to preserve his life, that God has things under control. Okay, well, that's our text for today. And so that's as far as you want to go with this particular, these verses here. And so that means it's time for us to ask our most important question. It's the question we ask every week around here. What difference does all this make to my life? Say, Gordon, I've never been spelunking before. So, I mean, how, well, how does this connect with my life and with getting kids school supplies and everything that I've got coming up in the next week? What difference does saying this make to me? Well, that's a really great question. Let's talk about that. Um, you know, despite the fact uh, that there aren't a whole lot of caves around here, I imagine that many of us, know what it's like to be in a cave. We know what it's like to be alone. We know what it's like to be in seeming darkness. Uh, Perhaps... um, we don't know what the future holds. Perhaps it's something with one of our children where we're powerless to change the situation. Perhaps it's something with our business, and we've been watching things d- drop off for a little while, and we've been wondering ourselves, hey, how is this ever going to turn around? Perhaps you're a student who's anticipating school and trying to make a sports team or trying to get the right grades, and no matter how hard you try, no how much effort you put into it, you know that it's out of your control, that you have... All you can do is your very best, but yet you want that thing so bad. Or maybe in your marriage you're trying to desperately make ends meet and there's just not enough money. Things are not working out the way that you want them to. Or maybe you've got someone that you love who's really sick and the prognosis is not good. So we can relate to David in this cave. We know what it's like to be a cave dweller, somebody who's in there crying out to God in these desperate moments of life, saying, God, i got nowhere else to turn you're my all. You're, you're my refuge. You're my strength. God, I'm looking for answers from you. And so we can uh, relate somewhat to what David's going through. And the question for us is, why then does God allow these, kind, these times of cave-dwelling experience, these times of desperation? Why does God allow us to go through times of desperation? Um, well, the answer is quite simple, and here it is. The reason why God brought David low because right? David had all this prestige. He was a general in the king's army. He was married to the king's daughter. Uh, he was a man who had tremendous um, uh, um, uh, recognition uh, and popularity throughout the land of Israel. And now all of a sudden, all that's gone, totally gone. And here's David dwelling in this cave. The reason why God brought him to that point is because God needed to teach David some lessons that David could not learn anywhere else. In his life, that in order for David to become the great man of God that David so longed to be, that that couldn't happen without some cave dwelling experiences. Friends, there are some lessons that we can only learn in the school of desperation. And so you say, Well, Gordon, what are those lessons? What was God trying to teach David? Well, I got three of them for you. Let me share them with you. The first lesson that God wanted David to learn in the school of desperation was humility. Humility. You know, nobody ever in the history of the world, I, don't, I can't think of a single person, ever acquired humility through success. You ever known anybody like that? They, they, were just, all, they were just became so successful and everything was going great in their life and the more they got successful, the more humble they became. Um, I, you just don't see it. That's just not the way it works. Humility comes to us, friends, through downturns, through downtimes, through times of loss, through struggle. That's how we become humble people, so that when we achieve success, we're able to stay humble through the success. None of us as human beings want to admit that we need help, but you know the essence of humility is being willing to accept help, being willing to accept outside assistance. Again, we'll never learn this kind of a thing through success. We won't be the kind of person who turns to God and says, God, I need you. God, I want for you and your resources to be brought to bear in my situation. We won't know to turn to God, friends, unless we've been through the seasons of desperation, unless we've been through the school of desperation. Instead, we'll be turning to ourselves. We'll be turning to our own resources. But God is flushing that out of David. He's teaching David something about, hey, turn to me, when you have need, turn to me when you have questions, even when things are going really good, but you have some questions. Turn to me, God's saying, and, and he accomplishes that through humility. First Peter chapter five and verse five says, "All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Why should we do that? Because, look here, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace. That is, He gives help. He gives assistance, if you would, to the proud to the humble see friends when you are in a place where you need god's help if he has built this characteristic into you into your life of humility you'll be in the right place to receive his help god gives his grace his help his assistance to the humble okay number 2 the second thing that we learn in the school of desperation is absolute surrender absolute surrender You say surrender to what? Well, absolute surrender to the will of God for your life. This means coming to the place where we admit that, God, you are the one who's in charge here, that I'm not the one pulling the strings. I'm not the one who has my hand on the wheel. I'm not the one who's making this happen. That God, you're in charge of my life. God, I'm surrendered to whatever that plan is. Um, And we're the Lord to say that if his plan for us was that we were to be in a cold, dark, dingy cave, then, Lord, I'm surrendered to your plan for my life. And may I say that absolute surrender is not just about getting to the place where you can tolerate God's plan for your life, but it's getting to the place where you can accept God's plan for your life. Friends, that is absolute surrender. Not just tolerating what I'm going through, but accepting it and embracing it and say, God, you're doing some things in me and through me in this season because you have a greater plan for me on the other side. You know, that's a wonderful, wonderful place to be. Uh, There's a phrase that you probably have heard before that goes like this. You never realize that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you've got. You never realize that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you've got. Friends, to get us to the point where we realize that Jesus is all we need, the Lord has to take us into the cave. The Lord has to walk us through the school of desperation. There's a wonderful verse in the Bible that captures this mindset. It comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12. Let me give you just a little bit of background here. The Israelites have got a powerful foreign army that's encroaching on them, that's about ready to overwhelm them, and the people of Israel don't know what to do. And so Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, says to the people, hey, look, let's gather together in prayer. Let's gather together and fast before the Lord. Let's petition the Lord for his help. We're desperate here. Right? We need the omnipotent God of the universe to bring his resources to our, our time of need. And so he says, verse twelve: 12, oh O God, will you not judge them, our enemies? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. We are desperate, but our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. Folks, this is the language of absolute surrender to God. This is the language of giving ourselves over to him and to his plan for our life. Um, Third and final thing that I want to point out is uh, that we need when we're in the cave, the lesson that we learn is total reliance upon God, total reliance. So we've got humility that God's teaching us. We've got absolute surrender that God's teaching us. And finally, we get total reliance that God is teaching us, and that's what's pregnant in the verses, or in the words of Jehoshaphat here. God, there is no Plan B. We don't have some other plan, some other resources that we're going to pull out to be able to make this thing work out for us. We're going to get—we're about ready to get overrun by this army. God, we're putting all of our chips with you. We are totally reliant upon you. Our eyes, God, are not on our resources. Our eyes, God, are not on some Plan B. Our eyes are upon. You, God, we are totally reliant. Our lives are totally in your hands. We're relying on you, God, to pull this out for us. All right, let's wrap this up. Three things that God wants to teach us in the cave. Number one, it's humility, being willing to accept God's help and his plan for our life. Number two is the second lesson that God wants to teach us is absolute surrender to God's will for our life. And number three, and finally, the school of desperation teaches us total reliance upon God and his resources. May I say to you this morning that if you are feeling desperate, that if you feel like you're in a place like David was in a cave, and if you're wondering why God would bring you to a place in your life where you're living in this cave, I'm here to tell you, friends, that desperation and time in a cave is a friend to a Christian. You're not there because God is punishing you. You're not there because God is mad at you. You're not there because God doesn't like you. You are there because Almighty God is teaching you some lessons and maturing you in a way so that He can accomplish His plans in your life. This is the way God teaches us humility. This is the way God teaches us absolute surrender. This is the way God teaches us total reliance upon Him. And these are the lessons that we've got to learn if we're going to become the men and women of God like David became whom God can use mightily. I've got some good news for you, though, this morning. God didn't leave David in the cave forever. He didn't just say, David, this is your lot in life. I'm going to leave you here. God didn't leave David in the cave forever. David came out of the cave. And friend, if you feel like you're in the cave, and God's, just know that God's going to bring you out too. Say, Gordon, I agree with you. And I've seen that happen. I've been through these times of desperation in my life before, but then somehow I ended up back in them. I ended up back in the cave. And then I was out of the cave. Then I was back in the cave. Then I was out of the cave. Then I was back in the cave. I mean, what's going on there? What's God trying to do? I thought he taught me the lesson. Why am I back in the cave again? Well, I think one of the reasons why that happens is because God needs this, at least I speak for myself here, is because I need some refresher courses right? Because some of the stuff that I learned when I was in the cave, I get back out of the cave and then I start, I forget about the stuff that I learned. So God has to send me back in the cave again. And then I go back out and then I'm doing real good for a while. And then God has to send me back in. I'm like, why am I back in here? Well, Gordon, you need another refresher course. Maybe that's not you, but that's me. And that's kind of how it works. And so what I need to do is to learn these lessons so that I don't have to go back for as many refresher courses moving forward. Friends, don't accept what prosperity gospels or what the prosperity gospel teaches you that you always have to be healthy and wealthy and wise and successful, and that if you're not, it's because you don't have enough faith. I mean, there's people out there that will tell you that. There are people that will tell you that if things aren't going great in your life, um, it's something that you've done, or that uh, God's mad at you, or that He's upset with you. Friends, that is a lie. Have a biblical perspective of your desperation. Understand that God is teaching you something so that you can become the man or woman of God that God wants for you to be. And friends, when God takes you and me into the cave in desperate times, it's not because he's mad at us or he hates us, he doesn't love us anymore, or he's abandoned us. That's simply not true. It's because God wants to teach us those same lessons that he taught David. Don't accept the cheap and superficial explanations for your troubles. Rather, take a biblical explanation that God leads us. He led David into the cave. God ordained for this time to be in David's life so that when David would emerge, he could be the man and woman of God that God intended for him to be. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we see things going wrong in our world. We see things in our own life that seem to unravel. The wheels come off. And we cry out to you, we want it fixed. And that's understandable. That's human of us. Even you, Lord Jesus, prayed in the garden, let this cup pass from me. Lord, bring us to the place of maturity to see our times of desperation the way the scriptures understand them and teach them. That sometimes, Lord, we have to go through the cross. Sometimes we have to go into the cave. Sometimes we have to walk through the school of desperation so that we can emerge on the other side, ready to do your will, ready to declare your praises throughout all the earth. God, in this quiet space this morning, as we gather around this table, remember your shed blood and your broken body. God, we ask that you would help us to surrender ourselves in our mind, to whatever it is we might be going through. To realize, Lord, that it's not something we did wrong. It's not that you're upset with us. May we reject that kind of thinking. But that, Lord, this is a season of life in which, Lord, you are shaping and creating something more beautiful. We pray these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.